Welcome, Bulldog basketball fans, to a very special Cayman Islands Classic edition of the Drake Basketball Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Eduardo. We're back. The production value is already off the charts to start off the show. Those expensive and extensive sponsorships we have from some of our corporate sponsors are really paying off. Like we discussed last time, the Cayman Islands Classic is a very tough slate of games. There aren't any Power 5 opponents in the bracket, but four of the eight schools in the field did win 20 or more games last year, and a lot of those returned multiple starters, so Drake is going to have their hands full. This year's tournament includes Drake, Oakland, Loyola Marymount, Stephen F. Austin, Marshall, Utah State, FIU, and Akron. Let's start out with our opening round opponent, the Oakland Grizzlies. These guys are very tough. They're led by head coach Greg Camp, who is in his 40th season at the helm, which I believe is the longest tenured coach in college basketball now that Beheim has finally retired at Syracuse. Wow. I didn't know he'd been around for that long. That's impressive. Yeah, it's wild. This season, the Grizzlies are this season, the Grizzlies are one and two. They lost a really tight game at Ohio State, 79-73 in their first game of the season. They lost at Illinois by 11, and Illinois is ranked 25th in the country right now. And then in their first home game of the season, they beat Bowling Green by 19 points. So they're a team whose record may underwhelm you, but when you take a little bit deeper look at the numbers, these guys are going to be really tough. Yeah, I mean... And doing some research for this matchup, you know, looking at their calendar last year and then looking at it this year. I mean, historically, they schedule really tough. A lot of their non-con games are playing either really good mid-majors or power five teams. So you kind of have to put aside their non-conference record when you're looking at them because uh, they they just schedule it tough. You know, last year they were only 13 and 19, uh, but they did have a winning record in conference play. And they got a bunch of those players returning this year and obviously an experienced coach, as you mentioned. Was there anything that stood out to you looking at how they fared against Ohio State and Illinois? Yeah, so against Ohio State, they knocked down a ton of threes. I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say they were... 14 for 35 or something like that. Um, And especially looking at Drake and how we fared defending the three early on this season, both Southwest Minnesota State and Lipscomb got off to pretty hot starts. Uh, Lipscomb in particular was red hot from the field behind the arc in that first half. And Southwest Minnesota State obviously had success there as well. So we're going to have to defend behind the arc with them first and foremost. Yeah, when I was looking at at uh, some of the stats from the Ohio State guy, there was one particular player that caught my attention. Uh, His name is Jack Golke. He's a a transfer from Hillsdale College, but the reason why he caught my attention is he had an impeccable line, 6 of 18 from the field, 6 of 18 from 3. So talk about having the the greenest of lights to to let it fly. Um, So obviously you'd have to be on the lookout for him. Uh, They did hoist, as you said, 35 threes in that first game. When you look at the Illinois matchup, it's very clear that they saw that that game against Ohio State and said, uh, we're going to run him off the line because they shot a more average uh, 23s in the game. So I think Obviously, if you're playing Oakland, that has to be part of your game plan, trying to limit threes as much as you can, try to run him off the line. Uh, But 
they have a lot of experience. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Jack Golke, who's just going to let it rip from three, apparently. Uh, but they also got Trey Townsend and Blake Lambman, who've been there for a while. And just two vers- versatile scorers uh, for Oakland that Drake's going to have to be on the lookout for. So it's funny that you mentioned Jack Golke first, because I saw the exact same thing. And looking uh, a little bit deeper into their box scores, not only is he a high-volume three-point shooter, he's almost exclusively a three-point shooter. Actually, let me take that back. He's not almost exclusively a three-point shooter. He is exclusively a three-point shooter. He's taken 36 shots this year, and all 36 of them have been threes. He was 6-for-18 against OSU, 2-for-6 against Illinois, and 3-for-12 against Bowling Green. So if you can force him off the line, he's going to pass it or he's going to dribble around in a circle. He's not doing anything besides shooting a three-point shot. I mean, what a life. You just run around in college basketball games just hoisting threes, (laughs) never looking to do anything else except shoot a three. That's impressive. That's some discipline right there. It is. He does not compromise on his values. (laughs) But yeah, as you mentioned, two of their other major scorers, one of them is Trey Townsend. He's a 6'6 senior forward who averages 18.7 points a game. He leads them in scoring, assists, field goal percentage, rebounds, and steals. So he is a one-man wrecking crew for the Grizzlies. He's first team, all horizon, and with that height, and he's also a solidly built guy, he's going to be a handful for us. I would look to see Coach DeVries probably start off with Overton on him. What are you thinking for defense? Yeah, I think... I think from a matchup standpoint, he's probably the most concerning player for Drake. I think Lampman and Galki, I mean, we'll have we'll have some guards that are chasing them around. But I think for Trey Townsend at that size and with his skill set, I think Kevin Overton makes the most sense for sure. You know, that's probably the one area when you look at our roster where maybe we don't have that much bulk on the wing. So when you're dealing with with someone who can who has that physicality like he does. Uh, I'm hoping Kevin Overton can do a good job. Rosario is a little bit slimmer, but I could also see him off the bench guarding him at times as well. But I think about some of the players on Missouri State, someone like a Donovan Clay, you know, historically have, has always given Drake a lot of fits. And I kind of see something similar with uh, Trey Townsend, just looking at how he plays. So, yeah, I think that that's definitely the most concerning matchup for Drake. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they try to ISO him on a wing and see if he can just go one-on-one against somebody. Obviously, Tucker has the size and weight to stop him from posting up, but I really don't want to see us just draining him of energy, trying to stay on this guy at the expense of his shot down on the offensive end, just because he does obviously so much for us from a scoring angle. On Not positive news, because you never want to see someone injured, but maybe to Drake's benefit, the Detroit News did tweet out pretty recently that Lampman, who played in their first two games against Illinois and Ohio State, sustained some sort of a hip injury. So he Mm. may not be ready to go against us. So that's something to keep an eye on. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen that. So. And that'd be a big loss for them when you when you look at their minutes distribution. I mean, it's basically the three players that that we just mentioned that play very heavy minutes, and then the fourth uh, would be Chris Conway, who's a six nine forward for them. And I think that's another guy that probably gives Drake some fits again. 
it tends to be guys that are long, um, that are really athletic. So without Landman in there, it's possible you'll try to see Oakland trying to, I guess, maybe take advantage of the size and the length uh, down low. But you know, we we went through some of the stuff that Oakland uh, does well. Where do you think Drake could have some advantages against Oakland? Well, with Drake, you always have one advantage, and that's Tucker DeVries. That's a good one, yeah. (laughs) In virtually any matchup we have, he's going to have the ability to be dominant offensively. Obviously, there are going to be games where his shot isn't falling. He has to get to the line maybe a little bit more. But first and foremost, Drake's primary advantage, on offense at least, is always Tucker DeVries. Secondly, we've got size with Brody that very few mid-majors are going to be able to match up with. His experience, his size in the paint, hopefully we'll be able to dominate the glass and be able to stop them from establishing too much of a post-up game on the inside. But yeah, I think outside of that, I'd like to see Atten continue to build momentum in terms of his scoring. He had 25 last game, and with all eyes on Tucker DeVries and Brody inside, I think there's a big, big opportunity for him to continue to up his scoring. Yeah, no, definitely. I think one of the most encouraging signs at least in my opinion, with the two games that Drake has played thus far, obviously being 2-0, is that I think you're seeing the natural evolution of roles already happening in our team. And I think whenever you have so many newcomers and so many new faces, I think that's one of the hardest things for a team to figure out, uh, especially when you had you know a lot of talented players coming on board like Garland and Wright. And then Overton as a, as a freshman and Rosario. But I, I think at least from what we've seen these first two games, I think it's very clear that Adam Wright is the second offensive option. So I think having that clarity, I think, will help Drake. And obviously he was great against Southwest Minnesota State, you know, with, with 25 points and three threes. And again, the thing that's so valuable about his game, nine free throws, uh, just always attacking uh, so I loved seeing that from him, and I agree with you that he hopefully will hopefully he can continue that momentum in this tournament. Because really, when you look at the last few years of Drake basketball, we've never had uh, really a, a second a reliable score. It really has been Tucker DeBreeze, and then it's by committee, right? It's it was always. You know, everyone else would be averaging anywhere from eight to 10 points. But if you can have Tucker DeBreeze be as effective as he is and then have another guy that can easily give you 15, 20 points each night, that's just huge. And when coupled with the fact that Tucker attracts so much attention, you know, just thinking about the lanes that are going to be there for for Wright to just explode and attack the hoop. And so, yeah, I, the role starting to get defined so early for Drake, I think, is a great sign. Absolutely. And this game in particular, it's going to be very interesting to see how we attack Oakland because I haven't seen them play a lot. But in doing uh, research for the pod, one thing that came up time and time again was their defensive scheme, which Greg Camp is known for his zone defense. So he plays a 2-3 zone typically, but it's not exclusive. He doesn't do that exclusively. He mixes in a pack line man as well, which is what you'll see teams like UNI and Virginia play, which similar to a zone in that it sags, 
They're willing to sacrifice three-point looks in order to stop penetration. But from a schematic standpoint, Drake has had some issues going up against zones. We will get complacent at times. We don't always get the penetration or the ball movement that we need. So I think the team's definitely going to have to be very assertive and very intentional with their movement when matching up against the Golden Grizzlies. Yeah, whenever you're playing against a zone like that, I think one of the pitfalls is getting in the habit of just hoisting threes really quickly because there's always going to be looks for three on a zone. But like you said, it's really getting the the looks for three when you move the ball, right? Or trying to get someone on a rotation and being ready to shoot when it's coming your way. Like I think those, those are the keys because, yeah, there's always going to be looks, but what you don't want to do is just get in the habit of five, six seconds into the shot clock, like just start hoisting threes and, and not get into the flow of your offense. So it'll be interesting. I mean, from a preparing for a potential zone standpoint, I think that would be, that would be neat to see and probably good experience for Drake if they end up playing other teams like that later on in the year. Yeah, so I mean, there are two ways to get the ball into the paint, obviously. You've got dribble and pass. From a dribbling standpoint, we're going to need Atten, Colby, and Connor to use their quickness dribbling in there and kicking or shooting floaters in the lane. In terms of pass entry, Brody's a really good passer for a big man. So getting him up in that high elbow area and getting him the ball or getting Tucker in there and getting him the ball there where he can hit that mid-range jumper or fadeaway that he's so confident with or using that to make people collapse and kick out. But definitely, in my mind, getting into the paint early and often is going to be key. Yeah, and you know we talked about Kevin Overton's uh, defense on potential defense on Townsend, but I think he'll be, he'll be a really important player in this game on offense too because I, I have a feeling that a lot of those driving kicks in the zone or moving the ball around might end up him being on the wing or in the corner corner with an open look. And uh, he's, I mean, he's looked good uh, shooting the three. Uh, he had three, three threes in his last game. Drake was actually pretty efficient against Southwest Minnesota state 11 of 25 uh, from three. So that type of performance would be terrific against the team that likes to play the play the zone as much as Oakland does. I think this is a great matchup for Drake uh, right off the bat. I, I feel good about uh, how they're going to fare against Oakland. It'll present some some difficult matchups, but I, I think Drake can can take care of business, especially with Oakland, but also just for the tournament in general. One of my potential concerns is avoiding the slow starts that we've seen in our first three games. Against the level of opponents that Drake has played so far, starting out slow doesn't kill you. It means that you're close at half rather than being up. Then when you go on a run in the second half, you win by 20 instead of the five points or whatever it is that you were up in the first half. But once you start to play better and better opponents, if you come out with the slow starts that we've seen recently, you're going to get down rather than just being even. And then that means you have more pressure in the second half and you're playing from behind trying to catch up. So I think it's absolutely imperative for Drake to get off with high intensity to a running start in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing that has not been great these past two games, down by four against Lipscomb, then only up five against Southwest Minnesota State. Obviously, in both of those matchups, they played really well in the second half. But as you said, against a better opponent, you can't always rely on, yeah, we'll go on a run in the second half and, and we'll be fine. So yeah, the focus definitely has to be there. I, I always think these types of tournaments uh, prepare you really well for 
like an MVC tournament or something like like that later on because tournament basketball really is kind of its own its own monster compared to just kind of the grind of the reg- the regular season you're playing and essentially just turning back and, and playing a lot of games in a short amount of time uh so it, it is important that you get in a good flow and yeah don't take your foot off the pedal anything else about oakland you want to get out there no i i truthfully i'm just excited to see uh jack Golkey play i just want to i just want to see how many threes he tries to hoist up but hopefully they're not falling against drake we need to place a bet right now. What is your guess for total number of threes attempted by Jack Golke? I feel like we need to set like an over-under. I'll, I'll set the over-under at eight and a half threes. Uh, I will go, I'll go under there because I think DeVries will have seen that there's one thing that this guy can do and that'll be the one point of emphasis on him. So I'll go under. <laughs> so, well, I'll, I'll take the over. I think he's going to shoot nine threes exactly. <laughs> Three of nine, a three of nine performance from three. Uh, listeners, feel free to place your Jack Golke three-point bets and respond on Twitter. I, I don't know how how uh, intense these prop bets go in the Cayman Islands Classic, but if there is a line for Jack Golke threes, I think we should we should look it up because that would be that would be very interesting. All right, yeah, get our uh, get our podcast assistant, the, the official Drake podcast assistant, on that research to get those numbers. So moving on from Oakland, obviously in a tournament format, there are so many potential opponents and we can't break down all of them. So I think what we do here is we just take a look at our two potential opponents if we win and then who we want to see on the other side of the bracket. So if Drake gets the W, they're going to play either Loyola Marymount or Stephen F. Austin. Both teams are two and one. Loyola Marymount beat something called Westcliff. Uh, they killed Jackson State, and they lost to Yale by three. Stephen F. Austin beat something called North American, also took down Northwestern State while losing to Middle Tennessee by five. Eduardo, do you have a team here that you'd rather see? Uh, I think just Stephen F. Austin, just because of traditionally what they've been as a as a mid-major. You know, last year they weren't they weren't in the tournament. They won 19 and three. But yeah, I mean they're just always a good tough team so i would think that they're they would probably end up being the better team if you're looking at trying to boost up your your non-con strength of schedule um so i would prefer to play Stephen of austin for that reason but I, they might be pretty comparable i think the uh the benefit of playing loyola marymount is there would be a familiar face on the sidelines for drake basketball fans their head coach is former Drake assistant Stan Johnson, who if you were around for the Mark Phelps era, you'll fondly remember Stan pacing the sidelines, uh, trying to fire up the team as they slowly waded through the depression that was Mark Phelps basketball. I played on uh, an intramural team at Drake University that we called the Fighting Stan Johnsons. So he was definitely a fan favorite. Uh, he was always really well dressed. I think that's the thing that would stand out on the on the sideline as well. And I think he was known more more than anything for his recruiting, which you know in the Mark Phelps era that was never the issue. It was more so the coaching uh, part of being a head coach that was the problem. 
Yeah. So LMU picked to finish fourth in the uh, West Coast Conference this year, and Stan was actually picked to be the preseason coach of the year. So he's he's made good since he left Drake. He's done well for himself. Yeah, which isn't surprising. Like I said, I mean, he he clearly was not only a fan favorite, but you you knew that that was a guy that players liked uh, on the Drake coaching staff and a good recruiter. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. And Loyola Marymount, I think, will have a, a pretty good year as well as, as Stephen F. Austin. So I think either matchup probably helps Drake from a non-con standpoint, hopefully. So this side of the bracket is a little bit stronger than what's on the other side, being Marshall, Utah State, and then FIU and, and Akron. Um, I think LMU and Stephen F. Austin are just a little bit better uh, than some of the teams over there. Yep. Looking at the other side of the bracket, in my mind, there's one team that we would want to see in the final if we make it that far, and that is Utah State. They played in the NCAA tournament last year. They finished second in the Mountain West. And win or lose, the impact on our net is going to be much more positive playing Utah State than it is matching up against FIU, Akron, or Marshall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Utah State, I believe, won 26-9 and last year lost in the in the championship against San Diego State which obviously went on a on a huge run in the NCAA tournament uh so really quality program a team that I think Drake would match up pretty well against they actually just recently lost a close game to Bradley in overtime uh so kind of gives you a point of reference that were were there at it was on the road you know in fairness to them so definitely would be excited for Drake to play Oakland, Stephen of Austin, and Utah State in that order. Definitely can't get ahead of ahead of ourselves, but that would be, in my opinion, kind of the the dream slate of opponents and hoping we can go three for three, but it all starts with winning your first matchup. Yeah, great opportunity. Uh, Utah State's still getting their, their legs underneath them as they have a brand new coach in Danny Sprinkle uh, coming to them from Montana State. They returned hardly anything from last year's roster with zero points, zero rebounds, and zero assists returning from last year's roster. But from a conference affiliation standpoint, this is a great opportunity for Drake to rack up a victory over the Mountain West that should reap benefits later in the year. Yeah, in a way, it'd be nicer if, if they would have like a guaranteed matchup with them. But uh, I understand, too, if... That was on purpose, having Utah State and Drake not being able to match up until the the final, potentially. So, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for it. I I, I think I saw we have to pay for some kind of uh, subscription to watch this tournament. So, this is that going to come out of the the pocket of one of our sponsors? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think Coca Cola is going to uh, to put oh, the fee for you and I to watch this on Flow Hoops which anybody who has watched basketball on flow hoops knows it and hates it. You'll be in the middle of watching a game. It'll pause. It'll decide to switch to the definition of a 1970s color TV in a motel room. So it's definitely a challenge, but I'm excited to, to watch the Bulldogs in action. I am too. And I think this will be a really fun stretch of, of basketball right before Thanksgiving. I guess we didn't say when when the first matchup is, which is November 19th uh, on Sunday. It's coming right up. Um, stepping away from Drake basketball, I want to give huge Drake basketball podcast shout out to Evansville for beating Southeast Missouri State on the road by 20. 
that was big, big for the Valley. They jumped up to, I want to say like 285 in Ken Palm. So seeing them out of the 300s is great. And then Valpo got a home victory against a horrific Green Bay team, which for Valpo is, is great. And for Drake is great because any victory for Valpo is good for the Valley. Uh, it's one more loss they don't have on their resume this year. So big shout out to the bottom of the Valley for showing up. I, I can't believe I can't believe you're omitting the biggest one, or maybe you're just uh, leaving it for me to mention it, which was UIC taking down our friends at, at Loyola. But yeah, I mean the Valley, truthfully, is doing really well in the non-con. Let's not jinx anything. But yeah, when you look at the entire conference, we have not had any bad losses, so everything has been. Okay, we're taking care of business, avoiding catastrophic losses that plummet the conference's uh, ranking. And then on the matchups where teams have been matched up against quality opponents, the Valley has actually won their fair share of games. So pretty much have kind of gone like 500 against good teams and then absolutely taking care of business against the bad teams. And the UIC Loyola matchup, I think, was very surprising for a lot of people, not for DBP. As in our, in our early podcast, Tucker predicted uh, UIC to be much improved and to finish ahead of Illinois State. Uh, and they were. I mean, obviously, a game against Loyola is one that they're going to circle and, you know, be really motivated to play in. But shout out to UIC. They took care of business. business and I know that uh, Loyola fans are, are not happy with uh, with Coach Drew. And they have to turn things around quickly because this will be a make or break year uh, for Drew Valentine. If only someone could have predicted this three to four years ago, that Drew I Valentine mean, was not a good basketball coach. It, it's uh, it's not looking good. Um, I think that's a very, very fair assessment. I think Coach Valentine had a reputation for, for being a, a good uh, recruiter. And I think when you look at some of the talent level in Loyola, I think a lot of people would say it's probably better than what they had in the past. It's just not it's not working very well as a unit. And I think that's that's probably the problem for them right now. I think Loyola definitely went away from what they were successful in with uh, with Porter Moser uh, kind of started playing a very different style of basketball and obviously had a really rough year last year. And now this year is kind of the first year of Coach Valentine's full roster. Um, so again, we'll see how it goes. But we'll, I guess we'll see later on this year if this was just a, yeah, they should have lost that game. UIC is actually a pretty good team. Or if this was a, man, I can't believe they lost to UIC. I watched the second half of the game and UIC is definitely a much improved team. Marquise Kennedy, Former Rambler showed up big for them, knocking down six free throws down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, Valentine is just the perfect example of a coach who gets hyped up by national media figures who don't actually pay any attention to mid-major basketball. They just see a name. They see scores. They ignore the fact that he took over an entire roster and system that was tailored to Porter Moser. And if they had tuned into games, they would have seen some very confusing head coaching decisions early on in his tenure. I remember being at the Drake Loyola game at Loyola when uh, Tramel Murphy had the alley-oop dunk to cement the victory, but Loyola had forced like six or eight straight points in a comeback by applying full court pressure. 
And I was like, shoot, this sucks. We're going to lose. And then for absolutely no reason at all, just decided to stop doing it. And then Drake went on like a 6-0 run. And yeah, no, he's he's always been a very confusing tactician in games. Uh, we'll see how long Loyola holds on to him. And I think all Drake fans remember that game because that was uh, the last game at Loyola before they transitioned conferences and Drake was finally able to beat them. So that was that was a fun one. But but yeah, I mean, I think what you described is happens uh, quite a bit. Decisions that are weird or, or hard to understand with them. But on the flip side, good on on UIC for for getting a win. But now I'm even thinking like, well, will it actually help the conference if if Loyola doesn't have a, a a really strong year? So I guess we're rooting for Loyola now to be like 25 and five, so that then at the end of the year we're like, wow, this was a, a landmark a landmark victory for for the Valley. So I guess we can look at it from that standpoint. Get out there and grab some dubs, Loyola. <laughs> yeah, and then I think I mentioned earlier on in the pod. Bradley beating Utah State also also a good win for for the Valley. Uh, so yeah, it's been 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 a good non-com. It's been good. Yeah, let's hope that Drake can uh, carry the Valley banner forward with a great trip to Paradise. Absolutely. Any other random thoughts that you want to hit on with the Valley or or anything else in college basketball? Not off the top of my head. I think that's all I got. Well. I guess in that case, uh, we just got to tune in on Sunday and and hope that Drake can take care of business against Oakland and everyone get your Flow Hoop subscription uh, ready to cheer on the Bulldogs. Let's go, dogs. Go, dogs.